Hi, this is Dean Morris. And this is Pip Valentine. We are the authors of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, Phoenix Rising, Janus Affair, Dawn's Early Light, and you are listening to Sci-Fi Saturday. Sci-Fi Saturday. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now. And avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It is your duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It's TalkCast 187. It's Zombie Appreciation Night here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 664 Cloverleaf, just beyond the simply red-headed Wonderworks, directly adjacent to the e-book-burning virtual fire pit, aside the James Gandolfini Memorial Pasta Emporium, I Am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight are many of our usual suspects in different places all over the world. In the Revere Time Vortex, Violent Soundboard Vixen, Chief Architect of All That Is Technical, our technical maven, Kriana. Technical, technical, technical zombies. From the stacks of her personal silent zone in the Dank Dungeon Reading Room, cool, calm, quiet, collected, got books and robots and yarn, and pointy little needles... That she knits with. Hmm. It's the woman who spins Zombrarian. Or maybe not. <laughs> oh man. Wow. <laughs> that was priceless. That was, oh, like, that was just classic. Classic Zombrarian. Oh, I tried to unmute and I hung up. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> Oh, damned well. if you do, damned if you don't. <laughs> I was like so proud of myself. I was going to be ahead of it and everything. And you hit the wrong button. Well played once again. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the ingenue who's both red hot, icy cold, and a blinding light in a universe of darkness, the lady who knows the meaning of the word undead and the word recidivist. Uh, it's the dead redhead. I do know what the word recidivist means. <laughs> and somehow, and, but can Dome spell it? <laughs> That's the real question. I bet you could do it again. R -E -C -I -E -I -E -I see what I did there? See what I did there? E I S T recidivist. <laughs> no. Huh, you want to bet? Look at the hell up, baby. R E C I V I T I S T recidivist. No, you missed the D. There's no D. In recidivist? There's a T. <laughs> no, there is a D, dear. Sorry, babe. You're wrong. Mm. Our guest but tonight. Like zombies. Producer. Director. Man sitting in a bar somewhere in Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mike Doherty. How you doing, guys? Actually, in Annapolis, I'm sitting here watching people walk by in boats, so I get to feel extra douchey. All right. Are you wearing like boat shoes and a little sailor cap? 
No, but I will pop my collar for you if it will make you feel better. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, you're in Annapolis. I love Annapolis. I hear they have That's good clam live. chowder. You, you know, know we got, we got Dan's some all right. What's that? Is Rear Dan still there? No. 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 Oh my God, they used to have the best potato skins in the entire world. Well, I, I really like Annapolis. I got crabs there once, but oh wow! But you got to pair of those, didn't you, Doug? Put them on. Wow! <laughs> I heard that joke when I was in high school. And it was all that. It was. The teacher heard that joke when they were in high school. Pretty much, yeah. I think Jesus told that joke. Maybe. No way. Moses told that joke. <laughs> Moses, Moses. Moses. Oh, Dom, right. Dom, you, right. you knew him when he was a kid, right? <laughs> Moses That's said, let my Dom people free. It. Moses said, let my people free. But first, a joke. <laughs> All right, so enough of this foolishness. We're going to talk about ZCon. We're going to talk about uh, all kinds of stuff that's been going on this week. We're going to talk about Boston Comic Con updates. First, we're going to talk about Ian Banks, uh, a writer who left us far too early. Ian Banks was, and let me find it. Uh, was actually a Scottish writer. I thought he was uh, British, but he wasn't. He wrote mainstream fiction under the name Ian Banks and science fiction under the name Ian M. Banks. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't British yeah. encompass all the Isles? So technically British is Scottish correct, people, but Scottish English people, would not be correct? Scottish people prefer to be called Scottish. I'm sure they prefer that. I'm just saying you're technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. If you insist. I do. <laughs> so does Hermes. Evidently. Hermes? <laughs> the god of, of being fast? No. no the Futurama character. The bureaucrat. <laughs> no. Anyhow, Ian Banks died far too young. He was 58 years old and died of very aggressive cancer. He wrote a number of well-known, well-received genre books. Uh, the Crow Road, which he wrote in 92, which was made into a movie, uh, and another, uh, other books in that series, uh, Use of Weapons, Consider Phoebus, and The Wasp Factory. His last novel, The Quarry, uh, was just released 12 hours ago, literally 12 hours ago, which was 11 days after his death. 12 hours uh, ago as of recording. That's true. Oh, yeah, good point. 12 hours ago, for those of you who are listening live, all three of you. Hey, Cam is here. <laughs> Say hi to Cam, don't. Hey, Cam, how are you doing tonight? Hi, Cam. Can you virtually wave at us from the peanut gallery? Of course you can. Cam, I, I will I will summarize what he's said so far. He says, sympathies to Zomburian. He can't count the number of times he's done that same thing. <laughs> uh, he says, Mike, pop that collar. And that Dome told that joke to Moses. <laughs> I taught that joke, absolutely. Yeah. The 2,000-year-old man. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Ian Banks was uh, nominated for a Hugo for Best Novel, an Arthur C. Clarke Award, a Locus Award, a Tiptree Award, and a Prometheus Award for Best Novel for uh, Crow Road. So a, a force to be reckoned with in popular fiction, in popular science fiction. Uh, he will be missed. And damn it, we didn't get to interview him. 
We did not. We did not. Damn it. Yeah. We got to get the good ones before they leave us. This is, hasn't well, Spider said something to that effect multiple times? I believe he has. Yeah. Man, it's, it's days like today that make me want Spider back on the show. Spider, if you're listening, uh, either live or, or on Memorex, uh, come on back. <laughs> Pro- Memorex? What newfangled technology is that? Well, it could have been on his 8-track, but it wasn't. For a minute, I thought you said Memorex, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> These memory pills are great. <laughs> I can remember everything. Oh, oh my God. You know, there Isn't was, there was a they, show they give on... you before you get your mammogram. I mean... no, 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 no. There was a show on Comedy Central <laughs> during the first year of Bush Jr. Uh, 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 decree there when when he was our president, and it was called "That's My Bush." <laughs> I remember that. I'm kind of getting the... some subtext now that I didn't get at the time. <laughs> and it was possibly one of the funniest shows on the face of the earth but was so scathingly uh taking the president to task even though it clearly you know was was just good wink wink fun uh, that they pulled it after i think 11 or 12 episodes but oh my god it was some of the fun if you can ever find that show anywhere anyway check it out check the it explanation out. here is there's an intern who was really stupid and she thought she was taking pills to improve her memory but really they were mammary pills and she just couldn't read and they just made her boobs bigger so everyone kept saying yeah take some more they're really working <laughs> oh boy <laughs> it was it was one 30 minute sight gag and that was it. That was the entire episode. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, we digressed. Anyway, we digressed. We really digressed. Completely for no apparent reason. For memories. <laughs> that's not no reason, just saying. All well, right. Our friends at the Inkwell Awards have sent to us uh, the winners for the sixth season, which were announced at HeroCon last week. Sorry. For the uh, Inkwell Awards, which are... Frankly, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. I get really Thanks. excited. I love inkers. And I mean, you know, what an inker does is is possibly one of the most misunderstood and and yet both misunderstood and important things in, in comics because they're they're the ones who really define what it is inside those pictures and make them pop out and come alive and they're, I'm an they're... inker fangirl. Yeah, you are. Yes, you, you are. are <laughs> Thanks. So this year for the Equal Awards, uh the props award is and I just wanna deal with this one award right now. Uh and we'll we'll talk about other awards in, in weeks to come. Screw the other people who won. No, not screw the they other they suck. This one person is the best. The winner of the Props Award, and the Props Award is an ink artist deserving of more attention who hasn't gotten it yet. What got 39% of the votes, his his credits include Nightwing, Aquaman, Detective Comics, Superman, and Stormwatch. Superman? Superman? Last year, Scott Hanna. Are we talking about the new Superman movie? Yes, we are. Hebert Ferreira. Who has never been nominated or had never been a nominee in the Equals before, and this year just 
stole the uh, the entire area of the props awards. Really good. And he's he's actually fantastic. The stuff he's done on Nightwing, I'm very familiar with. And damn, it was good. So, congratulations to Ebert Ferreira for winning this year's Inkwell Props Award with a 40% of the vote. Woohoo! Yay, that person. And we will be, hopefully, I'd love to be able to have him on the show. Ink. Ink. <laughs> Ebert. Tracer. You heard it from us? <gasps> no! Never. No, that's that's so wrong. You're just showing your ignorance. And every year the inkwells are announced at at HeroCon. uh, And we'd love to have Bob Almond on the show to talk about the inkwells at some point as well. Bob, Bob. teach me your skills. (laughs) So, Ted Redhead, my darling. Tell us what's been happening with the new and improved and reformatted Boston Comic-Con. Okay. At Boston Comic-Con, we have some special guesties coming. Mm. We already had special guesties coming, but some, I think, will get some squeeze out of our our other cast members here, such as Kristen Bauer. I forget. Who I understand plays someone named Pam. Oh, yay. Yes. There's a really sexy, sexy picture on the. Can I get a picture of me on her lap? (laughs) (laughs) Please. Now, here's someone. I don't know if she's going to. She might be in our list of people who will never be on the show just because, you know, we haven't always said the nicest things. But I'm sure she's a very nice person. Uh Challenge accepted. Is Eve Miles from Torch? Oh God, not when that will gap be there. Tooth. I, yeah, I mean, very a, nice person. A very nice lady. Who, if we could a get nice lady, nice lady. Oh dear, <laughs> a t- nice lady who, like many nice ladies before her and after her, suffered from some of Stephen Moffat's complete inability to write women. Woohoo! Also, oh, she can whistle without opening her mouth, I bet. Brianna, that's enough. <laughs> Wait, it's a skill! So this year at Boston, it looks like uh, all of the uh, the special guests from the entertainment are all women. So it'll be Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead, Kristen Bauer from True Blood, and Evie Miles of Torchwood. Not to mention that Arthur Sidem is going to give away free sketches, which for those of you who who know who Arthur Sidem is, he has been he's an amazing artist anyway, but he's really come back to the forefront because of all his Marvel zombie books, which have oh, been yeah. one of the funniest things that have come out. He's giving free sketches, and he doesn't do that. So I think his sketches were going for between 25 and $40 a couple years ago, just for a sketch. So the fact that he's doing free ones, guys, you may want to line up just for that. That's the first weekend of August. I, I believe that is the 3rd and the 4th. That's Saturday and Sunday, August 3rd and 4th. Uh, you may want to go to this just for that. If you are a Marvel fan or a zombie fan or any of those things above, uh, and get a sketch from Mr. Sidem. Hop on that bandwagon. Do it Absolutely. fast. Absolutely. Do it fast. And, and, and you know, a lot of our good friends are going to be there. A lot of people we haven't seen in a while are going to be Julie! there. Julie! Rhiannon Ju- is going to be there. 
Rhiannon's gonna Jewel be there. Selling, she's gonna be selling everything that I've I've told her. Everything <laughs> that I've commissioned her to make, she better damn well be selling them. And Peter Vinton's gonna be there. And yay, and, Peter! You know all. And uh, I'm, 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 oh God. And then for our comic friends, uh, Neil Adams, the Neil Adams, who he is a big deal. Some of you may not know who he is, but those who do know what a big deal he is. Neil Adams is going to be there. Mike Mignola of Hellboy, the man who created Hellboy. And Abe Sapien, my favorite. And Abe Sapien. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. All of those characters, the whole world. Tim Sale's going to be there. BPRD, he created BPRD. Uh, Witchfinder General, um, the... um, this oh heck what is the series that i'm reading right now um about the guy from world war ii who's going around fighting vampires and i'm sorry abraham lincoln vampire (laughs) no 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 but he did draw abraham lincoln in amazing screw on head um and then george perez again we've talked about who has he created the best run of wonder woman ever period Unlike. Never mind. Moving on. Oh, come on. We could go there. <laughs> we could, but we're not. I kind of want to go there. I'm Let's Ryan not go Azzarello, there. Mark Bagley. I, these I are all names of your comic stream. books. You know who these people are. Tony Daniel. Bill Willingham, who does fables and uh, is such an amazing artist. He is going to be there. Cool stuff, guys. Sounds like right this up It's going to be a My Little Pony cover. Oh. <laughs> Ugh. Why? Yeah, not not my thing, but you know, I know there's a lot of ponies and bronies and whatever you call yourselves mm. out there. <laughs> and Sarah Richard will have all her books there and all her artwork there, and some of her stuff is going to be put into the new Womanthology, Woo! which is Womanthology Space. So I cannot wait to see what what her uh, contribution is for that. That's going to be in space. You know, and speaking of Kristen Bauer, True Blood, uh, (laughs) episode one of season six was this past weekend. And can I just say, (laughs) shit. (laughs) Holy shit. I mean, they took. There was going to be a threesome, was there? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And and baby Jessica kind of grew up. I don't think we can call her baby Jessica. We can't Jessica call her baby anymore. Jessica anymore. We absolutely cannot. I feel like baby Jessica grew up last season. Yeah, that slutty Red Riding Hood costume did it in for me. <laughs> Hello. Wasn't baby Jessica the one down the well? No. Yes. Oh, yeah, the one. Yeah. Oh, he, oh yes. see? Baby Jessica was in the well. That poor girl, she costume. must be like, will people stop fucking bringing that up? You fall <laughs> down one well when you're not even talking yet, no? <laughs> <laughs> like, if I were her, I'd be pretty sick of it by now. But well, She's our age. I know. Like oh, I'm yeah. saying, like, poor... I know. I know. So, True Blood was it. A lot of people are saying it jumped the shark. It's really not it funny. It jumped the shark in season fucking two. <laughs> yeah, I feel like <laughs> get over it. But get over it. It's still a fun show to watch. It's still well, eye I candy. Feel like, I feel it's like it's great. having jumped the shark as part of the appeal. 
I agree. Like, you don't have to worry anymore about things making sense or having continuity <laughs> or anything. You just watch it and you're like, this is so fun. Yeah. Oh, and it is. And, it, and now the sheriff is having to deal with his four pixie kids. It's freaking hilarious. And it just gets dumber and cooler at the same time. Hey, Alcide. <laughs> oh, God, that one scene with Alcide towards the end of the episode. Which I haven't seen yet. Oh, when you do, watch for it. It's just freaking. That one scene. At the, towards the end of the show. Watch where he's for running it. Running with the pack. And for our Joe Manganiello fans out there, I know that you exist. Oh, yeah. Um, He was on Ellen, and you should really... Uh, I believe that they release all the interview clips from her show on the website. You should find his interview. He talks all about um, when he was in school for classical acting and had to be a, a animal, and everyone else got to pick theirs, and he didn't. They assigned his animal because they wanted to fix his posture, and they made him be a penguin. <laughs> It's exactly as funny as it sounds. And then he does it for the audience. So if you're a Joe Manzanello fan, you should check that out. Oh, yeah. So I've killed the entire episode because now everyone's thinking about Joe Manzanello as a penguin. Yes. Actually, I'm even doing it, so that'll... Are you doing the penguin or thinking... Just thinking about it. Oh, okay. Just thinking about it. Just checking. So, so, what is the rumor about Lock and Key? It's, because it was supposed to be a TV show originally, wasn't it? Now it's maybe going to kind of be a movie. Awesome. Really? That's it kind of wonderful. It's complicated for a movie. I don't think it is. No? I mean, I is don't think they'll do... sections. I just want to see when they pop open people's heads. That I way. agree. <clears throat> you don't think that was more, like, metaphorical? Not in the comic. A little bit in the comic. I want to see them pop open people's mm. heads. I felt like that was a metaphor. I, I wish it visually like represented metaphor, metaphor though, which yeah. means translating it from one visual medium to another visual medium will be okay. In my life, when I'm not the dead redhead, I wish I could pop open people's heads and like change things around a little bit. Oh dear. That doesn't sound terrifying at all. <laughs> Wait, I wish Joe Hill was going to be at Boston. I thought he was. Too bad he's going to be at Granite Con. Yes. I hope so, yeah. I think he is. He was last I year. I think Joe Hill is going to be in Boston, too. Let me, let me look. Too bad. Oh, wait. <clears throat> anyway. Oh Either way. Either yeah. way. It doesn't matter because Robert Downey Jr. is still Iron Man. And that's really all that that's what's important. counts in life. <laughs> you know what the cool thing about that is, though? This is his last Iron Man movie. There's no mention of four or five. But he is scheduled to do whatever it takes in the next Avengers 2 and 3, which is what he signed on for. Right, but... Our They'll convince him to do another Iron Man movie. They'll they'll make too much money not to. Well, and the if they can't, they'll make a Avengers two or three, Iron Man four basically. Just, Iron Man four, yeah. the Avengers make Tony Stark be Iron Man again. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, I don't think so, because Joss Whedon's in charge of the Avengers movies. He wouldn't do that. That's true. The interesting thing is that uh, Iron Man 3 uh, was Disney's fifth film to meet over $400 million at the domestic box office and is the second business, biggest domestic opening in history. What's the first? I don't know. Is it still Titanic? It oh, may be. Lord. It may be. And also, Iron Man 2 crossed the $1 billion threshold in 23 days in worldwide release. Iron Man 2 or Iron Man 3? Iron Man 3. I still have to see that one. X got to see it. He said it was actually much better than he thought it was going to be. He liked it. It, abs it absolutely was. It, was. it took Tony Stark and put him right where you expected him to be. And Joss's grubby little fingerprints are all over it, and it's amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Special edition. It's a, yeah, it's a limited edition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, and where Whedon is going next, what he does next is, is I can't wait to see what happens with it, really. It's going to be good. So Disney also leaked some of what Star Wars episode two, four, six. Doesn't matter. Seven. No one's going to watch it. Next. I don't know. Five, six, seven. What are we talking about? Star Wars seven. Oh. The Disney episode. Uh, <sighs> they sent out a, a casting breakdown. Okay. And here's what it is. Because the cast could have a breakdown. <laughs> A young man between 20 and 25, witty and smart, fit but not classically handsome, Mark Hamill, maybe. Man in his late 20s, Mark Hamill 30 years ago. Man in his late 20s, also fit, but this one is handsome and confident. Well, Harris gee, Ford. wonder who that could be. Late teenage girl, independent, good sense of humor, also physically fit. Plus Second young here. female, also late teens, tough, smart, and physically fit. Why Why do women have to be teenagers? So that guys will go see them and drool over them. Low. Man in his 40s, obviously physical fit, military type. Man in his 30s or so, intelligent type. Man around 70, strong opinions and tough. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds so interesting. Sounds like absolutely nothing. Sounds like a workout video. <laughs> Maybe look like Jane Fonda in it. Or Alyssa Milano's Teen Steam. Take your pick. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's what it sounds like with two teenage girls in it. Come on. Yeah, that's well, creepy. It's Wait. very creepy. Han and Leia's just... twins. They said that they're going to stick with some of that. So Han and Leia's twins. Are they... Are they... You mean... Yeah. Okay. Are they both girls? No, or is one's it, a girl and a one's a boy. And a girl. No, it's a boy and a girl. Jason and Jaina. Come on. Get with it. I'm sorry. Aren't those the Wonder Twins? <laughs> Where do you think they got the idea? Oh, good God. I gotta tell you, I'm not not really thrilled with this one. Um, Have you heard who's directing it? And I, I don't Miss know why anyone is even disappointed anymore. Yeah, just just give up, it. let it go, go through the five stages of grief. <laughs> it might on. be easier to nice. give up on it now. I'm Elizabeth Kubla Vader, is this what we're saying? Here? 
Oh, shit. Nice one, Dom. I gave you, you one for that. Thank Props. you very much. <laughs> Props. Oh, Lord. She spoke at my graduation. Did you know? Oh, dear. <laughs> All right, so let's do the freaking poll before I slip my wrists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the pool kind of, pool kind of fizzled, pool 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 kind of fizzled this week too. But you know what? Facebook screwed me over again. <laughs> yeah, we all kind of hate Facebook at this point. That's not a problem. Uh, yeah, because I tried to send it out to people, and then it was like causing all kinds of backup on how many times it went out because you can't put all the names on like anyway i'll get off my case then. anyway so we had asked folks because our friend who gave us the one two ago that or the last one rather which we had a lot of turnout for we thought we'd use his second idea and that was what is your favorite horror sci-fi movie about a train but we didn't have too many although cam voted I voted. I voted. Huh? I voted for the Polar Express because it doesn't get more horrible than that. And don't vote for it as second. well. Number number three, actually, that's pretty funny. Number three was Murder on the Orient Express, which I kind of put in as a joke because I thought it's it's technically mystery. Yeah, and is it a murder mystery? Yes. I yep. can't think of any sci-fi movies about trains. Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, I shouldn't say because I'll be a spoiler if I. Same. How old is the story? Oh, like 30, 40 you years old? You can say it. You can it. say it. The thing about Murder on the Orient Express is, this is the Agatha Christie where everybody did it. <laughs> yes. Like, there's this whole list of characters and everybody did it. So. Well, everybody does it in that one anyway. Oh, baby. Right. Oh, baby. They do. Agatha so, Christie, yeah. porno What's writer. I want a terror train to come in. You know, that at least had, that was the one for Jamie Curtis right after she got famous for doing Halloween. But well, anyway. there was this horrible TV series called Super Train. Oh, I remember that. And I almost nominated that, but first of all, nobody would nobody was uh, voting. remember it. But, but number two, had, it was a different kind of horror. Coming in second was Polar Express, which I didn't even put that one in there. and That was chilling. That whole film. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I did not see it. Phenomenal, though. It was the Uncanny Valley the whole way through. I can't think of Tom Hanks as being, I don't know, horror. Then so. watch the Polar Express. <laughs> it's It will literally give you chills. Watch it with the lights on. Maybe make sure Brian's in the house. Like, it's it's frightening. I didn't sleep for a week. And if you love the book, it will, it will ruin your childhood, basically. I, I didn't sleep for a week. It's that movie destroyed the best part of Christmas in my childhood, which was reading The Polar Express. Because then you can't just help but see their gruesome faces. Oh, yeah, it's really awful. Anyway, what came in number three? No, we did number three. That was the Orient Express. Oh, sorry. We're going and then number... Polar Express, oh, and then number one is Galaxy Express 999. I don't know what that is. I've never I don't know what that is either. Movies. Cam, can you tell us what that is? Cam, <laughs> what the hell is that? Cam from the Peanut Gallery. Well, I, think, I think there may have been an ad, so we might have to wait a minute for him to answer us. No, I'm here. Explain what this thing is that won. <laughs> yeah, Cam, if you could do that for us. We just give, give him a minute here, people. Let, let's so let's we, we figure out something a little more interesting for folks for next week. 
I had some great ones, but everyone shot me down. I don't remember what they were anymore. For the train one? No, no, not for the train one, but like for other polls. Speaking uh. of things that are great, while we're waiting for Cam, um, we've been talking all season about how Tatiana, oh, I'm going to butcher her last name, Maslani. Um, yeah, did it. From, it doesn't sound bad. Good job. Yeah, Tatiana Maslani from Orphan Black deserves all kinds of awards because she's she playing got... most of the characters on that show yeah. and doing it well. She has won a Critics' Choice Award. Yay! Yay! So I was really excited and vindicated. So let's let's talk to our guest coordinator at some point about getting somebody we've actually talked good things about to. So someone with good teeth, you know. <laughs> Shut up, Kriana! Oh, whoops! Sorry, did you I? Just I, I that that okay, Cam says it's anime. Uh, oh, that's, that's why. That's why none of us have seen it. Uh, exactly. Well, thank you, Cam. Thanks, Cam. All good. Which brings us to the second half of the show, at which point we go to a bar somewhere in Maryland. To say... Annapolis. Annapolis, Maryland. Near Chesapeake Bay. Foxtrot, Maryland, but no. (laughs) Will we hear the door open? (laughs) That's awesome. in Michael Doherty from ZCon. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. I could not have timed that better myself. (laughs) I told you not to go into the bathroom with your phone. That was a bad idea. <laughs> we are a flush now. So I'm, I'm actually sitting in front of the beautiful Castle Bay, which is an Irish pub in Annapolis, and the only reason they're getting this plug is the owner who just came out, who is actually from Dublin, Ireland, just wanted to make sure I'm okay because he saw me sitting by myself on the phone. Aww. <laughs> How cool is that? Aww. I want to go there sometime now. He's adorable. Down, you'll take us there, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, when you come down, I will definitely take you. Awesome. All right. So, Michael, you're here to talk about Z-Con. Yes, and I understand at least two of you have already seen the rough cut. Yes. I have not seen the rough cut. Zombrian and I have seen it. I, I, haven't I was really happy, but I must say, Mike. Yes. There was a robot. Well, I will tell you because Max Brooks uh, of World War Z and Survive- Zombie Survival Guide has requested it. Once the feature gets made, there will be a zombie Optimus Prime. <gasps> so there will be a robot. Just there also, isn't one. Do you know Max Brooks? Correct. That that is a Max Book Brooks request. Can wow. you kiss his feet for me next time you see him? <laughs> I. I would just, you know, like to hug him and thank him for being birthed by Mel Brooks, but that's just me. <laughs> well, you might want to talk to Max and say, hey, we really like him. Why don't you come on the show? We actually like you. I don't think we've said anything bad about him yet. Never. We've never said anything bad. <laughs> never said anything bad. Yet is the good word. <laughs> <laughs> I know myself. I'm not fooling yeah. anyone. We know you do. So... so Zcon. So Zcon. So what's up with that? So uh, we are in full-on post-production. Um, the rough cut, uh, which is basically the way post-production goes, is there's there's four phases. There is uh, first cut, which is basically just taking all the footage that you've gotten and trying to putting together a cohesive story. 
uh, there's rough cut, which is where it's at right now, which is all the pieces have been put together. And now it's just tweaking it and getting it into that nice little, so, you know, there's no awkward pauses and everything flows perfectly. And then the final cut, which is when all the, the CGI is added and the sound is added, which that's going to happen uh, beginning in next week. So in about three weeks, if we stay on schedule, it will be completely done. I'm and then, so excited. Then we will launch it to the world for about 60 days to let the world kind of, you know, see it. And we'll attach it to like a, uh, a nice little, the, the teaser at the end will say, would like to see how it ends. Help us get the movie made. Visit youhavebeeninfected.com. And then uh, there'll be a, you can sign up in your mailing list. And then after that 60 days, we'll launch an Indiegogo campaign. And the reason we're doing Indiegogo instead of Kickstarter this time is because Kickstarter does not allow you to do any type of involvement with charity whatsoever. So the fact that the proceeds from this film will go to charity while everybody else is still getting paid, it's a no-go for Kickstarter. So explain to the audience one more time that where... Uh, these charities came from, how you became affiliated with them, and which charities are you affiliated with for this project? Absolutely. Uh, The charities are the American Red Cross, Kids Need to Read, which puts sci-fi books in underprivileged schools, and uh, the Baltimore Bully Crew, which rescues uh, dogs from dogfighting, primarily pit bulls, and then rehabilitates them so they can be adopted out to families. And... How we got selected was Kids Need to Read was one of our first charities with Brown Coats Redemption. And thanks to Brown Coats Redemption, we donated about $24,000 to Kids Need to Read. And Denise and Debbie and all those guys at Kids Need to Read, which is uh, kidsneedtoread.org, all one word, uh, were amazing. And we wanted to continue to support them because we all like sci-fi and we all want to make sure book those books stay in schools. Uh, because it's zombies, blood makes sense. So, of course, the American Red Cross. Uh, <laughs> who make a cameo appearance in our movie at the at the pr- proof of concept at the very beginning because they donated a full-on disaster relief truck. Nice! Um, yeah, and, and a bunch of volunteers. So a bunch of their volunteers got to be extras in our movie. Um, the other cool thing is that we put a call out at the very beginning saying we want the community to pick the third charity that we support with this film. So the community at an overwhelming vote, like this, this organization had so much support that they blew two national charities out of the water. Uh, Baltimore Bully Crew, which is a small local organization, um, at, with a whelming about 15,000 votes, was actually selected as our third. So what we're going to do is we're going to take one of their, their flagship dogs, one of the dogs from the very first start, and he's going to be the family dog that you see in the movie. So then what will right. happen? Oh, that's... Thank you. Um, what will happen is once the movie gets released, um, we divide it up equally. So not equally, but uh, each of the main three charities will see, receive 20% of the profits. And then the remainders will make sure that we go back into operating expenses and conventions and things like that. Because you guys were with me at Browncoats. And, you know, there was a couple of days where it was kind of hard to pay the bills because all of that stuff came out of my pocket. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But you did an amazing job bringing brown coats out and uh, doing everything necessary to it. What did you learn most from putting Brown Coats Redemption together that you've taken into this new project? Um, that I'm in, I'm insane. <laughs> Mike, we've <laughs> known that, that for years. We know. Yeah. Well, well, no, it's, it's really, really weird. Like I, I have no film experience and I have literally just watched the, uh, the Ninja Turtles band drive by. That is weird. 
Okay, what? So, hey. That sounds that you heard in the background was the Hellraiser, or the Shellraiser driving by. The Shellraiser? Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. So uh, what I learned is that Brown Coach Redemption is apparently, I got more than a college education on a film on that project from production management to marketing to everything. So on this project, I actually have uh, Tamara Johnson, who is currently doing audio for uh, some Modern Family episodes. She's working on Scott Bayo's new show. She's working on the audio for the, the Girl Meets World, which is the TV sequel to Boy Meets World with uh, Ben Savage. Whatever. Um, I've got... Uh, Pal Beal, who is going to be my lead camera operator that's worked on uh, The Incredible Hawk and I Am Legend and Avatar. Like, I don't know what I did, but apparently I learned enough that people that are have been in the business long enough to be like, okay, you at least respect us and are organized enough that we'd want to work with you again. Wow. Um, that's amazing. So, yeah. So, my, my second feature-length film, I'm working with people well above my pay grade, and I'm, I'm working every day to... <laughs> Working every day to make sure I earn their respect and appreciation. Well, I mean, you've you've got the props now. I mean, you've you've done the proof of concept with your first film. You know, the idea of, of social media and and using media to foster social ideas clearly works. Absolutely, clearly strikes a chord among the kind of people you want to work with. That and kind of person. <laughs> and it's a theme of Zcon. Did you do that on purpose, or was that well, Zcon? Kind of... As far as the charity aspect or the story itself? No, the story itself. It, that's uh, not too big a spoiler. Involved? No, not at all. The, the story, media. the story itself, the story came out of me for about three years, uh, traveling around, sleeping on people's couches, and going to multiple conventions. Like mine. Um, we have a much like more yours. comfortable couch, by, by the way. Yeah, yeah, our couch is way better now, so. Sweet. You're welcome anytime. And, and I promise I will not go all hate spew on trolls till two o'clock in the morning again. You shouldn't promise that, because you will, but I don't, I, don't, I don't blame you for that. And we don't okay. care, we love you anyway. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that was a hard-fought battle that I was just like, damn you, get off my lawn! So, Whoa, is Mr. X here? What just happened? No kidding. What just happened? So, uh, I want to hear where channeling him. The, the story kind of came out of going convention to convention to convention, and every convention I would come home and I would inevitably get sick from con cred. Um, because I was ev like every other weekend, one weekend at convention, the next weekend home boxing DVDs, the next weekend convention, and repeating that for about three years straight. I was they perpetually sick. Putting them in boxes. Okay. I was, yes, I was. I was literally. I am the boxing DVD champion. Uh, <laughs> I am waiting for somebody to to contend my title. Um, Are you in the middleweight or the lightweight division? Sweetheart, I am the heavyweight champion. Woo! Oh my! Uh, but challenge accepted. <laughs> so what? What I noticed was two things. One, I was perpetually getting sick at conventions, and two, uh, more and more over the past three years, people zombies have become part of a convention, to the point that it was like uh, two years ago. I was standing at Phoenix Comic Con, and I saw this crowd of zombies like really well done zombies looking like they could have actually been the real thing walking past a group of people and nobody flinched so like, <laughs> people, 
people were stopping to take pictures and and the thought crossed my mind is what would happen if a zombie apocalypse or a zombie outbreak happened at a comic convention and it had to be something big on the scale of like Boston Comic Con or or something like that so I kind of milled around that idea and then I wrote the screenplay and sent it off to the WGA and got my little copyright and next thing I see coming out is Night of the Living Trekkies and the Fanboys vs. Zombies comic and at that point I realized I have hit marketing gold. <laughs> yeah. So I, I apparently tapped into the zeitgeist at the right time and I think between that and charity it's going to be an amazing thing. I think... Uh... The best decision you ever made was to make make a podcast the star of your show. Absolutely. That was just like, Thank you. yeah. I'm really glad you got that idea from someone. From the ether. It's from a very wise, almost Yoda-like bald man in New England. Older than Yoda. Older than Yoda. Older than Yoda. He's very wise. He said, son, come here. Let me tell you a story. First, you don't have to sit on my I met Moses. A lovely lady. Ew. Bringing up some very lovely girls. Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. This is getting more twisted. Creepy jar. Oh, honey, you hit the creepy jar five minutes into the show. Uh, no one, no one said it, so I still yeah. win. You get creepy jar. I was muted, so it was said. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, now, I have to ask. I, I know, Kriana, you and I have talked about this. And, and Heather, you, you've just announced uh, that, well, there's not enough robots. But given that this is a rough cut with no sound and no CGI and no giving away spoilers, do you think the Kickstarter backers would actually be excited by what was created? Yes. I am. So I'm a Kickstarter backer. So, Yeah. And I'm pissed because I'm a Kickstarter backer and I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn you, Doherty. Well, that's that's the most important thing for me is that uh, the backers feel like that they, you know, it's this is a journey that we all took together. You know, I, I did the work, but the, the backers like you guys put money in to make sure that it could happen. And regardless, regardless of what happens, and I know it'll be successful, but I just want to make sure that each person that put at least one dollar in feels like they got their money's worth and they feel like they were definitely kept apprised of the situation the whole way through. Because without my investors, and my supporters, I'm, I'm literally nothing. So at this point, once the rough cut of the small reel is done. Oh, he did not say sizzle reel. Everyone mark your calendars. Fight me. Fight me now. He still didn't say proof of concept. I've said proof of concept twice already, but that's okay. Now it's three times. <laughs> now, that, now that that reel is close to done, yep, you're going to spend the next year to, through the next concept shopping. Uh, I am going to spend. I'm going to spend the next 60 days after it launches just marketing the hell out of it and getting eyeballs. Um, and then uh, I will spend the 30 days after that raising funds. We have some really interested pe uh, interesting people interested in supporting it, um, some people that have actually made feature films that are interested in, in, in being involved in a little bit, the capacity. Um, and I, I, it's going to happen. It's just going to see how long it takes to get from concept to completion. So here's what I want to know. Your Indiegogo campaign, is that going to have, like, Kickstarter-esque rewards? 
absolutely it'll be mirrored just like kickstarter would be and we're going to be talking about the charity model the whole way through so we're going to have tiered rewards for everybody we're going to actually i think we're going to probably push the envelope a little a little bit more than we could on Kickstarter. I was going to say, uh, because, in, in, like, I've already got a copy of the film coming to me from Kickstarter, so what can I get on Indiegogo? Oh, no, see, that's, that's the beautiful thing, is that you people that have donated uh, to the Kickstarter campaign will have a completely separate tier of rewards as well that we won't make public. Ooh, nice. that's what I want to hear. Woo-hoo! That's some incentive, baby. So, and, uh, and all your Kickstarter people can be really pleased. Yeah, sorry, what, Mike? I, and I want them to be really pleased. So what's what's going to happen is the Kickstarter people are going to receive a bonus DVD um, that is going to be the proof of concept plus tons of behind-the-scenes stuff like we've leaked a little bit online with the FX makeup thing that went around uh, that got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And then that DVD will basically be the biggest thank you. And inside will be um, like a mini coupon that for the free copy of the movie, like all the items that you you will be entitled to once the movie is out. Um, and then once the Indiegogo campaign comes up, what you'll get is a separate email that says, here's your additional rewards if you choose to, to go with these items. I mean, of course, we're, it's got to be like $10 and up. But, you know, anybody that was part of the initial process is not going to get stuck getting the same old crap that they've already promised. Mm, okay, nice. I'm, putting, I'm putting in my opinion now. I want stickers. Oh, that's happening already. I've yeah, already got more. I love stickers. <laughs> All right, I'm in. Oh, we were in anyway. Don't I know, <laughs> but stickers. I know. I know. Okay, so, so since since I have two ladies here that that actually watched it, did I write a successfully believing sixteen year old girl? Actually, yes. yeah, I think the girl was maybe written the best out of all of them. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. Rock on, writing. <laughs> can can we say what? I don't want to give too many spoilers. <laughs> yeah, don't. Um. You put half this cast in a very awkward position. Uh-huh. Well done. Exactly. Exactly. I'll, you know oh, what I'll do is tomorrow. Before. Tomorrow I'll make sure the rest of the cast of the podcast gets to see it as well. Thank awesome. You. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. So, okay, there there is one moment that I am very, very proud of that, that both of you have reacted to really, really well. Um, and for those of you that are listening to this podcast and, and those of you that are hosts – um, that haven't seen it yet. When you heard hear the phrase, "Have you seen my mommy?" you will be completely taken out of what you expect to happen. Yeah, that's nice. true. That's true. And, nice. and you know what? But you know, I know it's, it's a good, good way. it's good writing when the characters say exactly what I'm thinking at the moment, and that that was they definitely did. They, that's all I'm gonna say is they definitely said what I was thinking. Yeah, so I, I tried to write the characters as as if you were sitting, you know, you being the general you and you guys with the podcast were were these characters. What would you say? Like this is really not trying to be like, hey, we're at a convention and zombies and yay. This is like, okay, <laughs> four sixteen year old kids are stuck in the middle of all hell breaking loose. How would they respond? Basically, the girl gets annoyed with the boys. Because they're incompetent at everything they do because they're teenage boys. Which is what happens when you're 16. Exactly. To expect anything else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So without giving too much away, I have successfully written, I I think I'm hitting my stride of kind of following in the shadow of Joss Whedon and successfully writing a 16-year-old girl really, really well. (laughs) 
cool. I think I think Joss would be proud. I know. And, and there is a nod to Jod, Joss right after that moment. So. Uh huh. I, I, there I, is. I caught that. Yep. I wanted to make sure that everybody knew exactly where my bread is buttered. I also caught a very familiar blue poster in the background. Did you now? I did. A couple times. Oh, we're we're, we're just going to have to wait for everybody else to see it. I know. You rewound it so I could see it. Yeah. You know, Mike, it's been yes, sir. four years now that we've been together. My God. Yeah. It's, it's time for us to propose. I really. Get I mean, down on one knee, Dome. We make this formal. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, we started. We started talking about this when Brown Coats Redemption was just beginning to come together. Exactly. That's that. It's all. That's the long affiliation we've had, and I've said all along that you were going to be a force to be reckoned with, and you have been, and you're you're proving it once again with this movie. Uh, I am so proud uh, to be a friend of yours. And to be a part of this process with you, and to do whatever we can to to bring it along. Thank you for uh, allowing us to come along for the ride. Well, well, I just want to reciprocate that since we're going to make it the mutual ad- mutual admiration society, and say like you know there is a handful of podcasts that I still maintain friendship with, and you guys are at the top of the list, and we'll stay there because you guys are just awesome. Aww, and I just the, the broad, you guys, not the Red sexist you guys. Perfectly, Mike, and we didn't even have to pay you this time. <laughs> <laughs> at this time, anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So maybe I, I don't know if if I have permission. Maybe by the time Boston Comic Con rolls around, this this reel will be public, and it might be on a certain iPad at a certain table at a certain convention in Boston. Next to a you, you have my absolute permission. I think so. Next to a big poster, which we have also did. Did that get printed up? Got printed today. Yes. <gasps> That's exciting. Pictures or it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. There <laughs> well, so thank you guys so much for having me on. This is this is awesome, and I can't wait to share with you the rest of you. Well, you're what, awesome. Uh, the, uh, yes, please. Stop it. No, you. And coming. And, and months as as we move into the Indiegogo uh, program and the Indiegogo portion of bringing more people into the Mike Doherty experience of how to make a film really relevant. That's what the ride's going to be called at Disney World. <laughs> Mike Doherty experience. Yes. I, I want that now. You, you mean you mean right right before Disney buys him out and then J.J. Abrams directs his sequels? <laughs> That's going to be the name of the ride at Universal. Oh, yeah. See, I just I just want the, the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride style ride. It can't be this, like, flashy 3D stuff. It's got to be, like, you sit through it, and it is the most painful thing. And when you're done, you can't get the song stuck out of your head. <laughs> you mean, like, a $1,000 singing, it's a small world after all. <laughs> Which and on that note... Which yeah. brings us to the end of another silly hour. Kriana, we have any idea what's going on for the next couple of weeks? Nope. None. It's a surprise. We can that ask be, our guest coordinator. That being said, Dead Redhead? Yes. You're on. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Redicon, and Armic uh, and Comic Art House. <laughs> Armic Cart House? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have reference on that one. Okay. <laughs> Comicarthouse.com. Visit comicarthouse.com for the best ideals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold of Folk, at robwattsonline.com. Doom? Yes, tonight it's been Michael Doherty, producer, director, writer, grand fuck totem of Zcon, which we can't wait to begin to see bits and pieces of, and we will be shortly. I want to thank our cast tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar, Zombrarian. Thank you, ladies. Booyah! I didn't hang up this time. Nice. Yay. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, a uh, big thank you to the Dead Redhead for joining us once again. Mwah. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Good night.